0: Hi, I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. We're from Curiosity.com, and we've got three stories to help you get smarter in just a few minutes.
0: Today we'll talk about how to improve your sense of direction, the surprising truth about the Pied Piper, and how we named our planets.
1: Let's satisfy some curiosity. Cody, do you have a good sense of direction? Depends on who you ask. Well, a lot of times people think that your sense of direction is just innate, but we wanted to know if you can actually improve your sense of direction. What a sense of direction really is, is just a relationship between lots of different factors, including spatial awareness and accuracy of your mental map, and your ability to connect the things you see around you with their location in the world. And Curiosity found that, according to spatial thinking experts, there are a few ways to improve your sense of direction. First, Try intentionally registering a visible landmark as an indication of direction. So if you live in Santa Barbara, the mountains are always to the north and the Pacific Ocean is always to the west. Just taking a minute to think about the landmarks that you can use to navigate and then using them will help a lot. But if you can't see landmarks, then remember, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. So depending on the time of day, you can look where the sun is and you can know which direction that is. If it's cloudy and you're out in nature and you're kind of lost in the woods, you know, there's the old moss grows on the north side of the trees trick. You ever tried that, Cody?
0: I didn't even know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the old Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts thing.
0: Were you a Girl Scout?
1: I was a Girl Scout. I do not know that. Yeah. Know. So the only thing is that doesn't happen with all trees. Moss mostly grows on the north side. And if you're in the southern hemisphere, it's the other way around because the angle of the sun is different.
0: All right. So moss north in the northern hemisphere, south in the southern hemisphere. Got right, it.
1: Right. Of course, most of us use a GPS or a smartphone to get where we're going, but those can actually help you work on your sense of direction too. look up and pay close attention to landmarks when you're traveling so you can find your way back without your device or try taking different routes to places like work or the grocery store, places you go all the time. That'll give you a better overall sense of where you're located in relation to the rest of the world.
0: Cool. I'll give you an update if my sense of direction improves. And by me, I mean my wife will tell you (laughs) she feels like it's improved.
1: Please do. So, Cody, you, you know about the Pied Piper, right? Yeah. Vaguely, it's a fairy tale. Okay. well, here's a quick refresher. So there's this German town that's dealing with a terrible rat problem. Enter the Piper. He agrees to rid the town of rats in exchange for a large fee. And he does that by playing his little pipe until the rodents come out and follow him. Then he leads them away and returns to collect his money, but the town decides not to pay. So he takes out his pipe and he begins to play again, and this time it's the children that begin to dance and follow him. He leads them to a crack in a mountain which swallows them up forever. Savage. Yeah, it's pretty dark. Well, Curiosity looked into the origins of this story. And it's fake, right? (laughs) Well... First of all, what even is a Pied Piper? Pied is just an old fashioned way of saying he was dressed in colorful scraps of cloth. And Piper obviously refers to the fact that he plays a pipe. You might think it was made up, especially since rats weren't really a problem until the 16th century. And this story was supposed to have taken place in the year 1284. And the mountain is actually a river in some versions of the story. So if it was based in fact, you'd think that they just keep that one way or the other. Right. But something happened in 1284 because a stained glass window depicting a magical figure in colorful clothing was commissioned just about 15 years later. And in the town chronicle of Hamelin, where this story is supposed to have taken place, there's an entry in the year 1384 that says it is 100 years since our children left. And some recorded laws from medieval times outlaw music in some parts of town in honor of the victims. What? It's freaky, right? So what happened? So some people think it might have been a dancing plague. That's not unheard of. There are many times in history where a lot of people just have started dancing inexplicably, and it's sort of this psychosis that spreads through the town and everyone's dancing, and some people dance so much that they drop dead. Wait,
0: seriously? Yeah,
1: seriously. We have some articles on it on Curiosity.com. But another theory says the kids might have been recruited by a children's crusade. That was when huge groups of kids would be gathered up to defend Christianity and usually weren't heard from again.
0: Crusade with a capital C.
1: Right, the Crusades. Yes, that one. Other theories say the children were victims of a natural disaster or maybe the plague, which might explain the rat motif that popped up later. Because, right, rats and the Black Plague, those are inextricably linked. But it remains one of history's unsolved mysteries with strange kernels of truth.
0: So beware the Pied Piper, I guess. Yeah. Is that the, that's the saying, right?
1: Right. Hide your kids, hide your wife. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've got something that's a little more out of this world. For today. Who? Do you remember when Pluto was a planet?
1: I absolutely remember when Pluto was a planet. I remember those days fondly. Yeah, good
0: times. Do You ever wonder why it's called Pluto?
1: Yeah, it's like a Roman thing, right? Not quite.
0: The English names for our five closest neighboring planets came from the Romans, who named them after our gods, but... What about Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto? Not so much, because they weren't actually discovered until much later. They were discovered only in the last few hundred years. So Curiosity looked into where they got their names, and Pluto has our favorite story. You can learn about where Uranus and Neptune got their names, plus how planets are named these days on Curiosity.com. The existence of Pluto was actually not confirmed until 1930, By astronomers at the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona. The first photographs of Pluto made headlines around the world and hundreds of suggestions poured in for what to name it. They finally got the finalists down to Minerva, Cronus, or Pluto. And Pluto came from an 11 year old girl from Oxford, England, named Venetia Burney. And she had mentioned the name to her grandfather, who was a librarian. Who passed on the suggestion to an astronomy professor he knew, and then the professor cabled the suggestion to his colleagues at Lowell Observatory. Ah, uh,
1: so she was connected. Yeah, right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> connected eleven year old. All
0: right. It's all about who you know, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Not what you know. And she was inspired by the Roman god, and the name Pluto was voted on unanimously. Also partially popular because the founder of the observatory was Percival Lowell. His initials are PL. Oh, that makes sense. And after they chose the name, Venetia's grandfather gave her five pounds, British pounds, which is about $450 today as a reward. Wow. It's great for an 11-year-old girl. I'm not sure it's that great for naming a planet. Right. But, you know. Well, she
1: does get to have a planet forever. Like, that is her, n- the name she named will be there forever. That's- I mean, that's exposure, right? Like, that's, <laughs> that's great. Join us again tomorrow for the Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.